Hi everyone, welcome to the first podcast about legendary Italian football club AC Milan. Milan's on fire. La 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 la, Milan's on fire. <laughs> My name is Alan and I am a devoted Rossonero for many beautiful and not so much years from the magic nights in Manchester and Athens and strategies of La Caruña and Istanbul all the way to the dark years with absolutely top beasts like Mesba, Traore and Constant. <laughs> and uh, I was a young kid watching Milan's triumph and then my life, my life led me to working with data in Australia and even this couldn't stop me from waking up at 5 a.m. in the mornings and watch Milan's games. Football to me is uh, another language and here in this pod, besides all the important life topics and insights about Milan, We'll be covering interesting data insights about this new digital era in football. Uh, so I hope you'll find it useful in a shared passion of supporting Milan's ascent to the kings of Europe. And it's been incredible to see how the group of true Milan fans is getting thinner um, throughout those years. But then that is the best thing that happens in such dark times, right? That only devoted fans sustain. And one of them is with me today. It's Andre, a fan from Russia. Morning, Andre. Yeah, good morning, everybody. How are you doing tonight? Because you have a night over there. Here, yeah. Here it's a night already. Yeah, my name is Andre. Uh, I hope to be the co-host of this uh, the podcast. This is how we debuted uh, the Milan's on Fire. As Alan said, we will try to why why our uh, topics we will discuss in this podcast not only discussing the games we'll try to make some research uh raise up some statistics which we will likely to collect on our own and we will promise that we will give you interesting listening for the hours and hours and hours ahead so um first of all wanted to talk about Stefano Pioli and that Milan is actually on fire this season and the last season. I'm uh, taking my hat off to this uh, old man, old Italian man, who is actually... I didn't trust in Pioli at all in, in the very beginning, and I was more a fan of Ragnik, who was the German specialist, who was able to create a system from, from the foundations and destroy that old, nasty Milan from uh, 2013 um, but now it is so great to see that Pioli is doing the things that you always wanted Milan to do and with Maldini in, in a, as a director. What do you think about this Andre? Well first of all uh, the, our listeners uh, welcome to the Milan on Fire podcast we hope we're gonna go on a regular basis and you'll catch uh, another a similar podcast on a, on the internet, which is not so many, uh, to be surely, and uh, an English voice. We are not native English speakers, so please forgive us if you hear some strange accent. But we will do our best. Uh, Milan on fire. Remember this. This is gonna be one of the greatest podcasts in Milan. Milan Weekly Pod. We're gonna reach you one day. Um, Pioli. You started right away with one of the most interesting topics, uh, Pioli and against uh, uh, Rangnick, which is presently managing Lokomotiv Moscow, which is kind of strange when he moved to Russia. 
I thought he may do get some good offers from the English Premier League. Perhaps the rumors were linking him to Manchester United. But it's gonna uh, Rangnick is a little bit complicated person because because you know uh, probably Rangnick could match AC Milan demands, but we are talking about 2020, the last year, when uh, AC Milan was not in the Champions League, when uh, the prospect of going to the Champions League spot was not so clear. As we do see now, it's more clear. It's clear now, clearer now than That's the year true. before. Uh, Pioli, the guys, the guys put on trust in Pioli. I don't know whose decision it was. Uh, that might be uh, Maldini' decision, and he pushed the management, Gazidis, and the company to finally establish Pioli on a permanent role as an AC Milan coach. But as well, it might be the probably the end of negotiations between AC Milan and Casidis. I think Casidis uh, was a priority. Uh, sorry, Rangnick mm -hmm. was a priority for Casidis. And uh, most likely, they couldn't make a deal. That's why he turned around and announced that, okay, Pioli is our coach, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't, it doesn't actually stop saying that Pioli is make, making a great job. And this is, for my own opinion, this is more deep conversation to be taken on than we have now. This is the conversation for hours. Uh, whatever Stefano is doing, he's doing a great job and we're seeing it. Uh, we finished the second after consecutive awful years in Serie A where we couldn't reach a Champions League spot. And in a crazy, in the, cra in the craziest season, well, I can repeat it years, years, because I've made the research and statistics. The last season was the craziest season. Of and why is that? Any. Uh, because um, the density on top, the density mm. on top mm -hmm. and top four uh, spot, um, we're the highest ever in the era when uh, Syria uh, had, uh, has 20 teams, which is, I think, uh, 13 or 14 consecutive years so far. Uh, so I made a, a small research. Um, yeah, it was definitely an I, anomaly. I agree with you. But yeah, 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 yeah. It was, a, it was, a, it, it was a, one of the strongest seasons when the top four, uh, top four clubs be, performed on a higher level. This is uh, the difference, for example, what I did, the difference between the first spot and the and, uh, fourth spot. The number of points which a top four teams gain, the difference uh, between the first, uh, the fourth, and the uh, fifth spot, which which shows actually how tight the battle for the top four was. So, uh, in combined of all of this, there was there was a crazy season, you know, and in that season we achieved in second spot, which is brilliant. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. We, when when yeah. uh, if you get 77 points, you end up in the Europa League group stage qualification place, which is Napoli. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, that, that couldn't happen ever before. It couldn't happen before. In, the, in that season, we achieved a, a brilliant result, I think. Um, and... 
and still and still pe people are guessing the fans are guessing uh, who, who who actually put role, the main role in this result yes so it's either Ibrahimovic and his influence or it's purely and it's brilliant tactics uh, or and the job it's really it's, it. it's really hard to distinguish distinguish between uh, them right because the the magic results of AC Milan started when both of them just just uh, jumped jumped on the AC Milan board with all the problems with this awful game in the midst of 2020 season and then something really happened i do believe that ibrahimovic played a crucial role in just changing the mentality of the team so that was the best he's done is that to make people believe that they can do change and moreover they can't not do any change because they'll be punished <laughs> And but still, well, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And what do you think about Pioli's role? I think it's also crucial, and sometimes people don't understand that. But it is really important and hard to be a manager to manage in that kind of team to manage youngsters as well as those old charismatic leaders like Ibrahimovic and Kier and um, Giroud, and you know make a compromise. What do you think about that, this role of Pioli? Well, you have to understand that actually Pioli, uh, for him, coaching in Milan uh, is probably the best job ever he could, could ever get, because before that, he was lightly successful with Lazio, bringing him to the Champions League spot and actually didn't qualify for the Champions League, losing in qualification. Um, then then it went to Inter. Due to the success of Lazio, they considered him as a coach, and he started pretty good there. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, then the real Pioli came. For those days, the real Pioli came after the good start, where uh, there was mm, the weeks and months for the awful results for Inter, and he was sucked from their position. Then it came to Fiorentina. And uh, he really, actually, he really made a good job there, depending on the quality of the players that Fiorentina had in those days. But you know what happened there, the sudden death of Astori. Mm -hmm. uh, and all the team, actually, well, you, it's not need to explain how the team performed uh, after that. And he actually resigned from Fiorentina, which... Uh, which was a, a real, it, it was understandable, and it's a pride of Pioli to do that. I agree with you. And then he was assigned to AC Milan, yeah. I think after after Fiorentina, and how the, his career actually went down, because it was Lazio, then it was Inter, in the awful days for Inter, actually, <clears throat> same as awful days for us, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, and then his career should go to the I think the teams are leveled of Sampdoria, Gina, Torino, somewhere in the mid-table of Syria. Um, but then it came to Milan, and I think for him it's the best chances he could ever get. Probably, there might be that AC Milan is the best ever team he coached and will coach in his career. So I think he um, doesn't demand a lot. He... Uh, but, Actually, it doesn't demand anything. Uh, and, uh, Andrea, yeah, the Stanskin's role position. What yeah. What do you think? What What was in the head of uh, Maldini and uh, at that time and Gazidis 
to get Pioli. They they surely thought that Pioli is just you know that kind of uh, transit guy who who's just going to take care of AC Milan for some time before they get a really top coach. Or did Maldini trust oh. him? Well, I, well, that's a good question. <clears throat> Nobody knows actually what was the decision, what made uh, Maldini to hire Pioli. Most likely, he was one of one of the most available coaches mm-hmm. in those days when we sucked uh, Marco Gianpaolo. Uh, the good question would be, what made Maldini and Boban and uh, Gazidis hire Marco Gianpaolo those days because uh, mm-hmm. they probably looked at him and you know you you you, you may read the news and the rumors saying that Marco Gianpaolo is an ex Saki for AC Milan because he has some ideas he that he cannot realize yes. in the clubs like Luxembourgia blah 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 blah. Yeah, so AC Milan is a good opportunity for him to really show up on the stage and show the Gianpaolo uh, uh, ball, what they call it. Um, <laughs> ben mentioned but this. it didn't happen, oh and, 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 th- and that came that and it needs a replacement. There's a two versions. The one of them is Pioli was well, the only one available coach with little demands and probably might be to the end of the season, mm-hmm. which actually his first contract with AC Milan looked like they're going to hire him at the end of the season, and even if they need to suck him, the compensation, the salary compensation wouldn't be so high. For example, not like you go all in for a top coach those days, and in case something happens and they need to hire him, so it's going to be a big money loss. Uh, same like, for example, Inter goes to Antonio Conte. But at the same time, it they, was... They, they found their... Yeah, at the same time, it was... Yeah, and, uh, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, well, uh, let me finish my point. And, um, but, but on the other hand, it might be that Maldini looked at the team and said uh, to himself, look, those guys are not the losers. They need the good motivation. That only one thing which is lacking in this one is uh, the atmosphere. And the signing of Ibrahim, which was a fifty percent of the success, but they needed another guy who actually was good enough, always was good enough in building a team atmosphere, mm-hmm. which actually Pioli is good in this one. Always was good in this one. And. Most likely, those combination of two, Ibrahimovic and Pioli, bringing a good atmosphere on the training field, bringing a good atmosphere on the pitch, that made the result as we have right now. Probably that one was a decision. And then they looked, when success came, and Milan started to play a really, really good, not only is it because of the good atmosphere in the team, but tactically playing a more than high standard football, so they decided probably to extend his contract and make him a permanent coach. So, so we could agree, agree then on that the success of Milan that we have now is belongs to all the parties from Gazidis and Maltini all the way to Pioli and Ibrahimovic and Kiar and all the people. So actually it was a cumulative effort and a kind of you know miracle when we think about this from the position nowadays. Um, that all those factors played its role. But at the same time, that miracle was very much constructed by um, rationale that Ivan Gazidis was translating from 
Elliot from the American owners of AC Milan, where uh, they wanted to have a really nice economical balance in the team. They didn't want to have those crazy wages that destroys the teams and make it really unprofitable and just incompetent uh, on the field. Because I believe that the financial failures lead to the failures on the pitch. At the same time, we've got Paolo Maldini, and he actually shares, he, he is diplomatic enough to understand the vision of Elliot and Gazidis, but he is also ambitious enough to understand that that's not only enough to have young players in AC Milan, right? Because we all uh, saw the example of Arsenal after after they lost Thierry Henry and they started to get more and more young players. It's just it's just Arsenal and number four now are synonyms, unfortunately. We didn't really want to have the same with AC Milan and Paolo Maldini being one of the guarantees for that not to happen, which is which is really, really amazing. And that was one of the clash, right? Uh, if you remember those times between uh, Maldini and... Um, uh, Gazidis and also Boban that they wanted to have Ibrahimovic and Kjaer uh, and all those old veterans with really good experience because unless you have them how would you qualify for the Champions League competing with Roma's Dzeko and Inter's Lukaku and um, Juventus's Ronaldo it is a really hard job to compete and I'm so glad that they've done this job together listening and you rightfully mentioned that Pioli is also a great diplomat I don't think it's so easy to be in the team with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and his ego but Pioli has done a great job he was appraising him we all know this bravo <laughs> bravo saying of Pioli bravo Rafa yeah. bravo Rafa <laughs> that's a name right bravo Samu bravo Rafa <laughs> <laughs> that's so good though that positively affects the dynamics and atmosphere in the team right well, uh, well, I have to say that uh, it's still in doubt uh, what is the role and responsibility for Maldini. I think that the financial way is not is not what Maldini is concerned. Uh, the real, uh, the, the present, actually, the present status, the financial and economical status of AC Milan uh, probably makes him to adjust in his willings but i think maldini was hired for some different and that's why maldini and woman actually pushed for ibrahimovic signing because they are responsible for the result because this is responsible for finances yes and uh this is the job of maldini to come to gazidi's office and say look i need 15 million euros for this guy and this is a job of gazidi's to ask why do you need exactly this guy and i say milan explain me and here it comes that Maldini starts to explain, okay, the, the roles and responsibility for the new signing. What, why actually does real uh, Milan system need exactly this guy? Is this guy to strengthen our bench or to come on the first eleven? And what roles and responsibilities he will take in, uh, mm -hmm. in AC Milan, blah, 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 and all kind of good things. Uh, and it's really good to research and to find an answers. Uh, is a real responsibility of Maldini, for example, of selling the players or, yes. let's say, um, making a politics of the income and outcome transfers. 
because we know that it's normally in the end in the beginning of the season there is a transfer budget which uh, can be extended if uh, needs uh, if uh, the team really needs some new signing and Maldini worked in that field which is actually designed not by him designed by the top management Kazidis and Singes Singer family um, but I think sometimes we have we put too much on Maldini uh, that might be as well. Some of the fans actually, yeah, yeah. Some of the fans actually blaming him for not to extend Donnarumma and and uh, Hakan, and not if and, and if we are talking about non-extension of their contract, they're blaming that they didn't sell him before. And this is another topic of discussion. Um, overall, for example, as for myself, I'm pretty happy with what Maldini does. He actually he he brought to uh, to Milan the deep thinking of uh, of the transfers. If we are talking about him as a transfer guy, makes a decision uh, whom to transfer, whom to sign, uh, mostly because we didn't sell any single player, uh, well except Paqueta and uh, Suso and Piontek. Uh, uh, but this is a, 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 those are different stories. We most likely we got rid of this place more than we actually sold him by the wish um, um what about sell anybody what yet. about Cotrone and like we only signed Cotrone it was a good sell because uh, we see now well Patrick uh, well it, it's it's different because well I think uh, sometimes you have to look more than the player ability sometimes the the right colors and the right bench on the chest uh helps the players to even play on different level which we saw Cotrone he's a really limited striker you know he's not more than striker well I don't think that presently nowadays he would make a difference but what do I think that now looking at Pioli Pioli's system he would be a quality striker when it comes to pressing the ball because what he did in wearing the Milan jersey, uh, he probably couldn't end up so good. Uh, the chance he, he he ever had, you know, mm -hmm. but probably he couldn't pass the ball so well as a Rebic, for example, does, or Ibrahimovic does, or Giroud actually does. Uh, he's limited in this one, but what he's not limited and exceed everybody's expectation in the pressing. He's a good pressing forward, and in this case most likely he would be matched he would match actually the AC Milan system which play in our purely um, yeah. comes in the next question <laughs> that's right that's right uh, it's it's a really interesting and uh, arguable topic and we've discussed about all of these top top stars that uh, that created the mosaic of AC Milan success but we didn't really touch on a hidden gem of that mosaic, which is Mancada and his scouting abilities. And talking about Paolo Maldini being responsible for, for the transfers, it's also great of him to bring Federic Massara in his team and that silent uh, workaholic who is just doing job and going and interacting with different people and getting the proper people. At the same time, it was a great of Maldini to brought Mancada and his scouting abilities into the mix. And um, with this, I'm just curious that 
definitely some of the trans Milan's transfers that are not really famous were for, were coming from Mancada, like uh, Pierre Colulu, the uh, right wing back who wasn't known at all, or like um, the likes of Rafael Liao and uh, and so on, and also uh, Balotelli, the left winger. But at the same time, just to argue with you a bit on Maldini's abilities of getting the players, I think he's done a crucial job in getting, in convincing, really, you know, um, not top stars, but convincing really promising players who could have gone elsewhere, like in top five leagues uh, to the teams like Liverpool or uh, Real Madrid or Atletico. And so those people like Teo Hernandez and those people like Ficayo Tomori, um, they all were saying in the interviews that once they have a call from Paolo Maldini, that was the decision-maker moment. That's where they decided, right, yeah, if Maldini wants me in AC Milan now, I just, I shouldn't lose this opportunity. I should go for it because I remember Maldini. I remember Milan. I remember their champions. I'm going to make them champions. And this mentality is so appealing to me and so great to see it. But what do you think, Andre, about uh, Mancada and about this scouting? Do you like those new youngsters who we really didn't know about before? Do you like this data-driven approach that Milan is taking? Well, definitely, yes, please. <coughs> Come on, <laughs> we are here talking about Pierre, yeah, Pierre Kalulu, who actually we signed for half a million euro, which is nothing compared to the other transfers. So we did. He came actually to the professional football. He started his professional football with the C Milan. I don't remember how he did ever play uh, the professional game in uh, in Olympique Lyon, but he came from the youth uh, system from the Primavera. Mm -hmm. He was signed for C Milan, and likely for him, he was not signed for the Primavera, which uh, we do regularly those transfers for those kind of money, half a million euro. But he came in a rotation spot in a, in a first team and he got some chances last year. He's getting chances this year, which is brilliant. And he really plays well, <coughs> much more for his value, transfer value, which we paid for him. Um, <clears throat> you know, the concentration of Moncada, <coughs> excuse me, mm -hmm. uh, the concentration for the, uh, for the single market, for the French market, um, well, it comes a little bit strange because I think that we have to extend our regional uh, presence. But actually, there are some explanation. It's not it's not cheap to be honest with you. It's not cheap to go to to scout, for example, the Netherlands, which is the the background of talents, and we all know, or the Belgium, mm -hmm. or, or two of them. Uh, it's not just about you send a scout over there. there. You need you need a group of scouts, and not of them actually. Sometimes not of them belong to AC, AC Milan. Um, there are individual scouts, independent one, who who, make, who are making reports, and then they sell those reports uh, to the to the guys like Moncada, um, in case they need him. For example, in case Moncada needs somebody, he may rely on those reports. He may rely on those database. 
which uh, is made not for not by Moncada. Moncada doesn't sit in front of the, for example, the computer and uh, looking and watching the games one by one, one by one, one by one, mm-hmm. searching the talents in the lower French leagues, for example, and somewhere in the French uh, League One or League Two. No, this job is done by other guys. Some of them belong to AC Milan. The scouts, some of them don't belong to AC Milan, and Mancada is just using them, and of course it costs them money. And, uh, there are some companies even, uh, the scouting companies, which are providing a good database, and there is, a, <coughs> there is the, actually the software, which is what was designed especially for this. So these are analyzing the data which is collected by the scouts, by the video reports, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And we we heard about this one, um, uh, which is costing money. When I, when I repeat, and what is priceless, what is really priceless, to make a final decision. When it's not about just you look on the data, and you say, okay, this is guy, he has a good prospect. Uh, it's not not enough nowadays what is more valued to look on the personality of the guy to understand his personality which is actually Maldini highlighted in his interview that we are not looking only on the player abilities on his um, individual abilities on a dribbling on a, on a pace and a velocity and blah 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 mm-hmm. we, this is the kind this, this is the thing to be developed on his tactical knowledge, what we're looking at on his physical abilities and his personality, which is, if you have physical abilities, the guy like, for example, Kalulu, he's a good, he's in, he, uh, he has he has a good body shape, I think, and he's pretty fast, in a, and he's pretty strong, and this is will be his background. You, could, if you, you can develop this one, but if you have a background, it's more easier to develop when, for example, you try to develop Suso, Mm-hmm. You can't get enough from Sousa, for example, because he's very limited in his physical abilities. And same as, for example, Brain Diaz. You can't get enough of him because he is a short guy. He is a slow in tackles, and everybody knows in this. You know, uh, he he doesn't run so high and quick, and we we understand why. He, he most likely he has a lower stamina than some of the guys in his position, mm-hmm. uh, and you can't develop in this one. Um, Personality is another key. It's a key thing, I think, in a present football case. Uh, you have to be ensured that this guy will be with AC Milan, and he will have a good understanding of some ups and downs in the team. Uh, now we have ups, but probably we will have downs some days. Yes. And his understanding of what to do and how to behave in this one uh, is really valued in AC Milan making decision right now. Because we see now, we have Donnarumma left the club. He's a bit asshole, I think. And <laughs> Chalanoglu, I think, is even more asshole than Donnarumma. And it's coming up with Cassie, I think. Uh, he's, I think he's another guy of this type. And those guys, we don't want in AC Milan anymore. It looks like we don't sign those guys anymore in AC Milan, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. So we really, we really are trying to build a good core of good players uh, mental players who can play for the club can play for the beach and the colors and most likely not demanding so much and will not demand in the future and just uh, this is very important yeah and just back feel on this is uh what moncada was saying is that he's assessing the 
players scope for improvement and uh, he's not really looking for top players but he's looking for players who might have a terrible game but and they get like a horrible rating but if they have a great potential great physical uh, abilities and really smart in the field that's the that's the guys that's the footballers they're following and another thing is that he mentioned that he don't need a scout to only go to games he needs someone who watches training talks to the parents the academy directors and uh, he's really going into this human intel human relationships intel he's really understanding trying to understand what's his family like what's the contract situation and all the small details that make a difference. So that's really interesting to see that this is actually coming real in Milan, in, in such a top club, and they're taking those risks. But I agree that seeing... We, we're actually already witnessing that, right? Who would have thought that just for one summer we'll have really, really matured Rafael Liao, who's not really that lazy anymore. He's He's got... He's more physically capable. He's, I think, faster than he was in the previous season. At the same time, Brain Diaz, when literally, when I was reading the news about Donnarumma leaving a best goalkeeper in Europe um, so far at that season, and that he won Euro, that was another huge moment, you know, like a huge um, moment for us not to lose him. And that was hard to accept. Same time, Hakan Chalhonaglu, from the statistical portals, you could see that he's one of the best um, sharp passers in, in Europe. He's making more than 50 key passes in season, and he's really unreplaceable in Milan. But see now, see at Brahim Diaz, just for one summer, he actually has got more confidence in him. He is a running motor and engine of AC Milan's team, and he's doing great. He's assisting, he's scoring goals, what else do you need from him? At the same time, look at um, Theo Hernandez. He's not doing as good as he was in the previous season, but he's getting back to it. We can see in the last game against Venezia, we can see that, that Theo Hernandez, who we've seen the last season. And another person who actually really surprised me was Sandro Tonali. And we should, should agree on that, that I don't know about your opinion, but I think he is the best player in Milan in the start of 2021-22 campaign. And he's developed over the summer incredibly more in his confidence, maybe by you know comparing himself with those greedy, greedy players like Donnarumma and Chalhanaglu. He actually believes that he actually likes Milan he can make a difference. He's not going there for money. He's going there to make a difference and to be a champion. Well, uh, hold on, Alan. You name too many players. Let's have <laughs> one for them if you want to discuss them individually. <clears throat> so first coming, I think, is you mentioned uh, Donnarumma and Chalhanoglu. Chalhanoglu. Hakan. Kebab. However you name him. Um, well, keeping Donnarumma um, would be high cost for us, this is for sure. The, the thing is, we did not sell him 
Uh, well, I don't think this is a blame for Maldini. I think he, uh, first of all, we needed the quality, needed the quality um, in our net. Mm-hmm. And Donnarumma uh, was providing that quality. He finished with AC Milan staying a very good on very good uh, standouts uh, in a, in our previous season. Uh, he really did well. Yeah. Same as the, uh, the whole AC Milan team. Mm, otherwise, we wouldn't reach a second squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Maldini was Maldini and and others. I don't know. As a, well, most likely, it's, a, it's Maldini, but we never know. It's maybe Gazidis making those decisions and you know, what offer to put on the table. The thing that uh, Maldini and and the company, let's say they, let's say now the management. Uh, not making a you know on the personalities. I think those one those guys was really ensured that Donnarumma will extend the contract, resign with AC Milan, and probably some agreements were made. But in the end, they changed those agreements. Most likely, it was Rayola, but I'm not sure right now because I think that uh, some of the demands came from Donnarumma. I think he is not that uh, you know that. Uh, uh, Small guy, you know, mm-hmm. who really all depend depend on the uh, on his agent. Um, but it happened like it happened. Maldini and the company they should keep Donnarumma to the final moment because we really needed a Champions League and we got it. Yes. Um, but you know, there there were not so many offers. I think there were none of them. Even if uh, Donnarumma was official in a transfer list a year ago. I think not. No offers would come because Donnarumma had a six million year contract, and uh, if you come with the offer, you have to really make a, you have to hire the, his salary for sure. Uh, that's why you can't attract a player to come with a new club. Yeah. Doesn't matter who comes. It was an English Premier League club or another Italian club. You have to raise up his salary, which is that uh, it was a bit high for um, for the goalkeeper of his age. With actually no international experience, now he has some. He won a Euro, and he's the best player of Euro, which is doubtful, but okay. Um, <clears throat> he has some experience, but those days he had no international experience. Nobody knew how he would perform against Liverpool, for example, being a goalie for a similar one, just for instance. Mm-hmm. And um, I think nobody wanted him. Nobody needed uh, that expensive guy and Plus, in a goalkeeper uh, position. Uh, don't forget yeah. to add up Rao. Uh, Rayola as his agent and his compensation. I even couldn't really pronounce his name because I have so much anger towards this guy. Um, <laughs> same as mine, yeah, same as me, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty I sure. Talk about his guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we can just maybe have it for another pot to talk about Rayola because that's a huge topic. I would say that's a fat topic. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, and the tonali, tonali, tonali growth. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's one of the joy to see this year. Uh, I'm I'm really pretty happy that he really adopted into the new role that he has in now. Because you know, looking at him in Brescia in the first year in Milan, he really did didn't understand much uh, uh, how he should play. So it's his either box-to-box midfielder, which he's played now, or he's register, 
mm-hmm. which he played in, uh, like he played in Brescia, for, for example. He was a regista there, uh, more aggressive uh, regista, but this is the, some takeaways where you can, you can take from those games played in Brescia. But he was a regista, I think, and uh, he couldn't adapt to his new role. And finally he did it. Somebody say that uh, his final come to AC Milan as a, on a permanent basis actually really lost uh, lost his shoulders, emptied his shoulders from those responsibilities which he had because his future was uncertain. The last year his future mm-hmm. was uncertain and uh, in the summer he, he was uncertain too because a weak season at AC Milan did not guarantee that AC Milan he will buy out his contract from Brescia, but it finally happened, and I think now he, mentally, his, uh, his mind is clear now, and he's really showing a good game, and Diaz, <clears throat> I really like how Diaz, how Diaz is playing, he's more effective and productive in the final third, which mm-hmm. we didn't see from Chalanoglu for the many years, okay, um, time after time, you know, the, the Chalanoglu made some key passes, but, you know, in the final third, he was really useless. Uh, see now how Brahim is playing sometimes as a second striker, and you can see his two goals to Liverpool one, and to uh, the recent one to Venezia. They are actually the mirror goals. You know, the one looks to another. Mm-hmm. Same. They're mostly same. Uh, making the final touch and finishing the ball in even. True. Even I didn't think people. about this, but you're yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Same style. Yeah. Um, yeah, same style. Um, <clears throat> uh, what what really proves that he is more uh, the second striker than advanced uh, playmaker, for for example, his position. Chalanoglu, um, as a credit for him, he provided a good job actually on on our own half. He came back same as a defensive midfielder. Sometimes we were playing as a three midfielder in one line. He really worked hard. Uh, I I can't blame him for I can't blame him for him. This is a lack of DS, for example. He can provide that one. Sometimes Chalhanuglu can make a slight tackle. DS never can do that. Mm-hmm. For example, um, but this is a balance. This is the team tactics that I think can be adjusted. I agree. I agree with you that Chalhanuglu was a really important player in terms of the. Tackling and, and and getting and following, chasing uh, players of the opponent all the way to our to our side of the field, and it was a really good quality. He he is not a lazy person, but definitely, and he had he, he is uh, exceedingly has greater physical abilities than Diaz. We, we can't really uh, this is a huge limit for Diaz. But nevertheless, the game and the play he demonstrates actually can compensate that. Adding these tonalis register abilities and register just like a small, quick explained. Those are Italian terms, and register means a playmaker. Uh, Mitsala, it's another term that means a box to box, and trequartista, it's what Diaz is right now. That's more an advanced playmaker. And so Tonali, he's taking that role. So we don't really need. So it looks like Diaz and Tonali, they both replace him pretty well. No, I, I, we still need Chalhanoglu because we don't have a backup for Diaz. Mm-hmm. 
another thing is uh, if Diaz comes to the to the prima spot of uh, central attacking midfielder, as we call it, or the fantasist or trequantista, however you name it. Okay, we are. Oh, I'm okay with this one, but um, I'm really happy with this one, even. But um, Milan doesn't have a backup, and that would be good to have a Chalonoglu. But another thing is, do would Hakan agree to be a backup for Diaz? Of course would not. Diaz agreed. Yeah, and would Diaz agree to be a backup for Chalonoglu? We never know. I think not. Uh, both of the scenarios, well, are impossible. Some of them would be unhappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this is good that we get rid of Chalhanoglu. I'm not happy in this way that we let him go free. But this is his decision. Fuck him. Uh, and we will, we will look on Messias. Yeah, uh, what th- are you talking about? We have, we have Messi. We have Messi now. So Messi. We have, we have Messi now, yeah. Uh, Who cares about Chalhanoglu? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> who cares about Hachnab? Yeah, let him, let him be happy in the Inter. He wanted some new achievements on the second uh, place. Yeah, uh, on the second place. Yeah, <laughs> he likes to have a new, new, put his new goals in front of him. Okay, let him put his goal. Did... He likes to pass on Lukaku, but Lukaku is no more. <laughs> and did he well, hear? Actually, uh, well, I, I don't say that Chalhanoglu nowadays doing a good, a bad job in Inter. So. I'll, from time to time, I look at him. He has some goals. He has some assists. Oh yeah, let it be. Look, I really, I really hope that uh, in a derby, uh, the our Kurvasud will give him a good, a good, a welcome. good welcome. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, good, good welcome. Because his recent interview that he's, he, it's all quiet in Milan on, in Milan City, and he has some photo sessions with the fans. This is a big lie, <laughs> and uh, the Kurovasut already replied. If you heard, uh, it was yesterday, I think they commented his interview and they said you, they didn't meet the right fans yet because dear uh, Hakan don't like, as you will see our appreciation in brackets when yeah. it comes to derby. And, and another thing, he's being a Turkish Turkish person. He definitely knows that he's just heating up the atmosphere. So. He's gonna get what he deserves, and at the same time, he mentioned in that interview that uh, he likes being an editor because he's an ambitious and he wants to uh, try any challenges. And also, he mentioned that Inter was winning over Milan in derbies, and that that is one thing that he liked about Inter. So I'm thinking maybe he was one of the reasons why Milan was losing, and we'll see now if that's gonna change. Well, um, <clears throat> uh, Inter is still strong, you know, and uh, um, talking about them, um, they didn't lose a lot, losing Conte, I think that Inzaghi, Simone Inzaghi, unfortunately for us, he's a good coach, and uh, actually Conte left a pretty good system established, and what Inzaghi uh, really needed is just not to fuck up the with the background which Conte left after him. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them is playing with three central defenders. Those variations, 3-5-2, 3-4-3. Inzaghi can play though, or both of them because he really, he really did well with Lazio, mm-hmm. playing with uh, three central defenders, and we all know that. And um, it, 
uh, well, his new findings in the Inter is not so frustrated that it could be if he comes, for example, after uh, after I don't know, do I name anybody who plays with uh, Corsa, four defenders in one line? Mm. It looks like it's more difficult job for Sari actually to uh, reconstruct the um, defensive line of Lazio and to teach him how to play the front defenders in one line. Yeah, I, I think that, harder job. that would be good to discuss in the next spot all these tactical duels between the top seven sisters in Italy and uh, what do we expect from Piola's team in this season. We've, I think, had really good coverage of uh, the history, all those bits of the mosaic that... Uh, of of AC Milan, the second place in Syria. What do you think about uh, if we can talk about that in the next part? Surely, surely. Let's come on. Uh, I think it's going to be a short time and come on our second episode uh, where there's a lot of things to be discussed. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's do it the next time and discussing our takeaways from the start of the season. What do we see both? Maybe you'll we'll get answer some question if they come. Yes, from our listeners. Sounds good. And uh, right. just just to give a little bit of of the tease for the next spot, we're also looking at some statistical data and how to translate those and how to, you know, um, discuss the predictions of AC Milan and what kind of conversion of the expected goals it might be. So it would be interesting to to share it with you guys and hopefully. I really hope that you like this spot, you like uh, the discussion. If you disagree with some topics, please feel free to reach out and by any means we'll have that discussion. We'll, we'll raise this topic and discuss. Wow, thank you, Alan. Um, the listeners uh, don't blame us so much because it's our debut. We're a little bit not prepared. Uh, we hope and we promise that we will prepare better for the next one, for the next episode of our podcast. That's great. Thanks, Andre, and have a good day. Have a good you, game Anna. against Spezia. Forza Milan. Forza Milan. Ciao.